This is the Mental Debriefing Podcast with your hosts, Peter Tam and Leslie Q. Okay, welcome everyone. I need a better introduction. What should I say? Are you getting started? We're recording right now. We're recording. Way to go, Leslie. Well, you just screwed up your own introduction. (laughs) No problema. Okay, today's date is July 22nd. Welcome to another episode of the Mental Debriefing Podcast. We have um, Frank Ramirez here. Hi. Thanks for having us again. And we have our co-host, Leslie. Hi, everyone. Um, Okay. So... um, Today our agenda is, we are going to talk about a uh, book regarding sleep. Yes, today is a day we're finally going to be discussing uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, who is a neuroscientist. But before we talk about the book, I wanted to just discuss a few things. Frank turned me on to a really great podcast, anyone who loves listening to podcasts. It's called Intelligence Squared, where they have uh, two panels of experts in a specific field discuss a certain topic, and whoever changes the most minds wins, like the debate. So it's a debate, and they have an audience, and I thought it's, it's actually like it's really, really good. So it's by NPR, NPR Intelligence Squared U.S. Debates. So they debate a bunch of different topics. Well, not in, every episode is just one particular topic, and they have two people, two experts on each side of the topic, and they go through three different rounds. And based off of the, I guess, the whoever changes the most minds, um, they vote, and that person or that side wins. Yeah. So the one we were listening to on the way over here is um, is social media democratic, and that's a really interesting debate. It's uh, is social media good for democracy? Oh, just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then I've listened to one on GMOs. Um, what was the other one that I listened to that was really interesting? Oh, should the government be involved in um, the war against obesity? So, highly recommend that podcast. Very enlightening. Fantastic. And, um, did you do anything this weekend? This recent weekend? Yeah, yesterday we had a chance to go to a concert. Um, Leslie and I are not, I wouldn't call ourselves, country fans, although uh, artists. Chris Stapleton that we both uh, really enjoy listening to as we consider country. But uh, we went to the Brad Paisley concert yesterday at the Honda Center. We had two uh, friends that invited us, and uh, Brad Paisley's good. Mm. I think that he's he's a good entertainer. I like some of his songs. So it was cool. I thought it was a different experience. We both really enjoy music, so it was interesting to be part of uh, a country concert mm-hmm. but yeah one of the guys that, that performed ahead of him was uh kane brown and i know he's extremely popular he's very young what did you say he was 24 or something like that he was born in 1993 yeah so he's he's super young and and uh he's very big in the country music scene as you can say so he's it just wasn't my thing yeah but it was a good experience overall got to see a few old friends uh, what about you, Peter? How was your weekend? Um, I just want to say that I do enjoy country music. I, I enjoy certain uh, female artists in country music, <laughs> like Raylan. Do you like the music? Do you like the music or the, uh, how attractive they are? Uh, Miranda Lambert. Yeah, I like I like them all. Yeah, this weekend, um, I went dancing as per usual. I uh, went a bit too hard on... Friday night and my knee kind of, uh, I've had a, a lot of left knee issues ever since that snowboarding incident, so um, 
Yeah, it's, I've been wearing a knee brace. I have it off right now because it's hot, but... Um, it's pretty sore. It's swollen. There's a, uh, there's a MCL issue, I think, um, from the snowboarding, but I never got a surgery, so <laughs> just uh, continuing on the path of life. But, um, yeah. It sucks. Anyways, um, moving on, um, I just want to touch base on um, uh, mixed martial arts. Um, shout out to Katsugano uh, for, this is last week's MMA UFC Boise Katsugano won, so shout out to her. Um, the uh, muscled Sage Northcutt won, so congrats. Congrats, Sage. I think he has a bright future. Um, you know, he's in welterweight, and there's a lot of competition there, obviously. Your uh, Robert Whitaker is there. But um, hopefully he starts climbing the rankings. I think he's a disciplined kid, and he's a good kid from Houston, Texas. So um, shout out to Texans. They know what they're doing. So hopefully he has a bright future in MMA. Speaking of MMA, Frank and I had an interesting conversation this morning. There were... Um, fights on at 11, sorry, 11, but we noticed that the referees were interrupting the fighters when they were on the floor grappling and telling them to stand up because they thought that they weren't doing enough and they wanted more action from the fighters, which I don't necessarily agree with because one of the fights that we saw, which was with Abu Azatar and Victor Miranda, they were working on the floor, and then the referee interrupts them and tells them to get up and, you know, do something. And I thought that, they were, that he was definitely doing something on the ground. So I don't know if I... I think that this might be pressure from the executives of UFC, um, pressuring the referees to motivate the fighters to, you know... Um, to fight, you know, to fight more or, you know, to do, like, what, what they think the fans want to see. And I don't agree with that. I, I don't necessarily agree because Brock Lesnar's style is he lays on top of you and then does ground and pound. So, mm -hmm. um, I, it may be a individual referee thing. Because um, I know, you know, certain referees, they just make it go too long on the ground, and then there's some time wasting involved also, so I don't know. Yeah, I think the announcers kind of touched on it, too, that it used to be where they wouldn't interrupt at all. They would just let them be on the ground for, you know, almost a whole round and just let it go. But I think they're probably listening to the boos, you know, because when fans boo, it's when they're not doing anything, when they're not punching each other in the face. Mm -hmm. So if they're standing up, usually they're, they're quiet. But once it goes to the ground and it's more of a technical game, you know, you're grappling or jujitsu type of game, that doesn't seem as fun or entertaining to some fans. So you'll hear them boo, and which is frustrating. You know, if you watch UFC for any long period of time, you know that that's just their game. That might be the, the person's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, game that they're, that they're looking for. Maybe they're a skilled jiu-jitsu um, grappler or something like that, and that's, that's what they know best. But when you hear fans booing, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's a psychological thing. Um, certain fighters, they do, um, they can waste some time. Like, especially, like, against the cage. You can um, mm -hmm. press them against the cage and, like, waste, burn two minutes off before they separate. But um, it depends. I I hope that they're taking into consideration, like what you said, like the, uh, they respond to the audience. So if the audience is booing, then they probably feel pressure that they need to do more or whatever. But we've seen fight, like we've, we went to um, the DC versus John Jones uh, fight at, in Anaheim and we were there and it's a completely different experience watching it live versus watching it on TV. When you're watching it live, you have a very limited view of what's going on and you can't appreciate the grapple the grappling that's taking place so of course people are going to boo when they're not seeing two fighters standing up boxing with one another because that's what's really exciting because that's what you can see you can't really see a whole lot when there's fighters on the ground grappling 
and then people boo, which I don't understand a lot of times why they're booing, but that, that needs to be taken in consideration before they start pressuring the referees to interrupt two fighters on the ground to stand up and do something more exciting to appease the audience. I agree. By no means am I any type of expert on grappling or, or jiu-jitsu, and the little experience that I've had with jiu-jitsu, it is freaking tiring. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you've got somebody on you and they're trying to twist you up and you're trying to play defense, it is, it is tiring. I can only imagine if, if you've gone a round or two trying to avoid getting punched in the face and then all of a sudden you're on ground, sometimes sometimes it's, it's that little break that you get to ca- kind of catch your breath and hold on. Mm-hmm. You just can't go all, all out all the time. You have to kind of space it out. So yeah. it's just interesting that they're they're starting to do that. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Okay, moving on. We have a uh, book review to partake in. And what book did we read, Leslie? We read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, who is a neuroscientist. He has been studying sleep for a couple of decades now. <clears throat> and he recently wrote a book and he explains the effects um, the the effects of sleep deprivation on mental health as well as physical health. And he also clarifies myths about sleep. I really in- enjoyed the book. I thought it was really interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Okay. What are some things that you... Um, you did not know previously to reading this book that you'd like to share? Um, there, there's a lot of things that I didn't know that he clarified, and I will go into further detail later, but um, explaining how caffeine and alcohol, how that interrupts our sleep patterns. Um, he goes into detail about the hormone melatonin, Uh, which is really interesting and how melatonin, a lot of people think that melatonin is what makes us go to sleep, but it really, it really doesn't. And I'm I'm, going to clarify that later. It's actually adenosine that builds up in the brain that creates the sleep pressure that makes us fall asleep. So I thought that was really interesting. And then also about the different uh, stages of sleep as well, and yeah, so there's just a lot of different things that were really interesting about the book. Mm. But I also wanted to discuss how society views sleep. I feel like society doesn't value sleep, and you have these sayings like sleep when you're dead, and people just feel like if you you know, if you're asleep, like you're wasting your time, you can be doing more productive things. But he explains that if you don't get enough sleep, then you're actually, you know, more likely to be unproductive. So I, what do you think about that, Peter? Um, how society views sleep. Yeah, there's, I, I agree with a lot of the, Mr., uh, Dr. Walker's um, conclusions that, you know, we live in a very, people view that um, it's more macho in the corporate workplace, especially. Um, there's there are certain elements of glory if you're burning the midnight oil, especially like high-tech companies. Um, you know, if, if you're staying in the office late or whatever, and then, oh, I only got five hours of sleep, I only got four hours of sleep, you know, that's seen as, in the corporate world, it's seen as manly, and oh my god, he's really a hard worker. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, um, some guy takes a nap for five minutes at his desk, you know, he's vilified as being a lazy ass. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, I think society has a lot to change in regards to um, valuing sleep, and a lot of steps need to be taken. Which is why this is... I think a really great book to read and I I applaud him for writing this book in a way that most people can you know understand his research because it can get very uh, technical but he writes it in a way that's very easy to understand and I think sleep should be 
a pillar of overall health along with exercise and nutrition. And I think health professionals should be, you know, should be screening people for whether or not they get enough sleep. Uh, that's a question that I don't think enough clinicians ask is how much sleep are you getting? So for example, I, I'm going to be a dietitian. I think it's so important to ask people, well, how much sleep are you getting? Because sleep, and he discusses this in, a, in his book, it affects uh, our hunger and satiety hormones. And if you're not, if you're sleep deprived, it increases your hunger hormone, which is ghrelin, and it decreases your satiety hormone, leptin. So you're going to, you know, eat more, and you're more likely to um, gravitate towards foods that are usually like refined carbohydrates that give you quick energy because your body is tired. And then it also increases your hormone, uh, a hormone by the name of insulin, which is, um, it, it has many roles in your body, but one of the roles is uh, fat storage. So we have to take all these things into consideration and ask people like, well, how much? And I think that that question is just like, it's such an obvious question, but it just goes overlooked. So, yeah, we it's, need to do a better job of it's, doing that. Yeah, I mean, one of the big mysteries of uh, modern American life is why there are so many fat people, overweight people in our society. And perhaps one of the reasons um, that uh, Dr. Walker suggests is the lack of sleep, people's he goes into detail regarding um, even factoring in that you use energy obviously while you're, you use more energy obviously while you're awake versus while you're sleeping that still doesn't factor in that um, people's appetites increase dramatically when they um, when they have a lack of sleep they make poorer nutrition choices and that results in uh, possibly being overweight so I think uh, lack of sleep is another factor into why America is so overweight. So I think that's uh, something that I took away from that. What does the book say is the amount of sleep that everybody should get? Is it eight hours? Yes. Well, it depends on your age. So adolescents need about ten hours, so they need the most amount of sleep. And then as you get older, you know, but you need a little bit less. But he recommends anywhere from seven to nine hours and giving yourself an eight-hour opportunity. Um, so he says, like, he gives himself an eight-hour opportunity to, to sleep, um, which I think means, like, he just makes sure that he has eight hours. I mean, he may not get eight hours of sleep, depending on, you know, what happens, but he always gives himself that opportunity to get at least eight hours of sleep. Yeah, there's um, a, a lot of his thoughts were that uh, f five hours of sleep or less, that's what's really detrimental. People that operate five hours or less, if you're like six and a half hours or more, then, you know, at least you're, you're not in a very dangerous zone. It's, it's the, uh, you know, if you're long term at five hours or less, then mm -hmm. there could be detrimental effects to your health and your immune system and your I, memory. I didn't read it, but what is... I'm sure he did studies on people. What is the average uh, amount of hours that a person usually gets? I think it was around six hours or 6.7. No, I think it was around six hours. Like most people get around six hours, which is still not enough. Yes. No, but I think a lot of people get that and then they are able to function just fine. But are you functioning at an optimal level when you're sleep deprived? Probably not. No, and I, you're I, not I performing think, at your best. Yeah, I, you're right. More than likely you're not, but I think that you can put a bunch of different factors in it too. Like, are you eating to your optimum level? Are you working out at your optimum level? Mm -hmm. There's so many different um, factors that go into it. And Sleep t tends to be one of those things that kind of, you're right, gets overlooked, and you probably just have too, too many things to do, or you just have too many distractions, mm -hmm. or 
we don't have any kids, but I can only imagine what, what parents must go through. Right. And you always hear about the sleep deprivation that they have to go through, and that, that, that there is not an option. Yeah. Correct. You can always do better as far as working out or eating healthier or sleeping mm-hmm. more. But it is it was definitely eye opening and I remember listening to it and the way you got introduced to it was, was also through the Joe Rogan podcast. Yes. Right. So you, do you give shout outs to Joe Rogan? Um we, do. we talk much. about Joe Rogan every episode. <laughs> we so, kinda of get away right, from him. Yeah. Joe Rogan podcast one one And I I completely empathize with people who are in those situations where, you know, for example, if you're a new parent and you have a baby, like there's nothing you can do. You have to take care of your baby. And he actually that's one of the um one of the topics that I wish he would just that he would have explored more in the book is how do you you know if you're a new parent and you have to take care of your baby like what do you do in those situations like there's nothing that you can do yeah. and that's I, that's part of of life I bet you that's why people. he didn't even study it or, or talk about it because <laughs> what are you gonna do right you can't put the baby down but there's attention. also um, a term that he discusses in the book about sleep procrastination which I think a lot of people yeah. can relate to. And we're one of the only species that actually procrastinates in regards to sleep. Why we do that is a mystery. Um, we, I mean, a lot of because a lot of us we we should be going to sleep, but we're so distracted with our phones and you know a new series on Netflix that you want to watch and that you feel like you have to finish in order to move on with your life. So. Like in those instances, we can do a better job of going to sleep in a timely manner <laughs> instead of uh, procrastinating. Yeah, I can say for, from personal experience, the last uh, several years I've been, um, I've had some sleep procrastination. And I, uh, you know, I, I have my TV here. Sometimes I, uh, when it gets hot, I sleep on this couch right here. And then I just watch YouTube videos, and then um, Google and YouTube, they set it on a loop, so it keeps going, and that's not healthy. Like, um, Dr. Walker talks about um, the blue light Mm -hmm. from LEDs, which um, the blue light, it affects your melatonin levels, or it affects the melatonin level rising. Right, so it it inhibits the secretion of melatonin because your body thinks that it's it's still daylight because it doesn't distinguish between daylight and the LED light, so it downregulates the expression of uh, melatonin, which is why you don't have um, that you you just don't feel like as sleepy as you would if it was completely dark. Yeah, because he was talking about like it's people fall asleep faster if. They're reading a paper book versus on on a mm-hmm. uh, iPad, which you know I I like reading off of an iPad. I have a uh, Amazon Kindle, and then it's just more convenient. But then apparently you fall asleep better with a uh, with a book, or you know I try to fall asleep with the TV on, and then next thing you know it's freaking two thirty a.m. in the morning, and then <laughs> yeah things can get dicey from there, and then you can feel. You know, the next day you can feel that your immune system's kind of messed up, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you can feel in your body that the lack of sleep, it just uh, messes you up at work. And I heard a possible remedy for that is they sell these glasses. One of my patients, um, I discussed the importance of sleep with our patients because many of the patients that I work with, not only do they have eating disorders, but they have comorbid diagnoses like depression and anxiety, and sleep deprivation um, can exasperate those um, mental health issues. So we discussed the importance of sleep, and this patient um, explained to me that she has these glasses that reduce the um, intensity of these um, of the light from the screens, so I haven't tried it myself, but she says that it works for her, so that might be a possible. I'm gonna try it out actually. I think that would be very helpful. Also, society has um, a lot of cities have moved towards uh, the LED lights for street lights, 
-hmm. instead of um, sodium lights. The yellow lights are sodium lights. The the yellow lights are good for your eyes and it, it helps your melatonin and all that stuff. But then these new LED lights, because it's blue light, that affects your melatonin levels and it's bad for your eyes. But cities don't care. They say they see the energy savings and then they go with the LED lights. And it's also brighter, so there's um there you know there's pros and cons to everything. But the uh, hopefully in the future there's LED lights that can uh, kind of be less less blue in color and actually be a color that helps your uh, helps you fall asleep and helps your eyes. Peter, were you? Um... Were you aware of like our circadian rhythm and what that meant? Frank, are you aware of our circadian rhythm and what that means? I mean, we've all kind of heard the term, but do you understand? I always thought it was dance. I'm not sure what circadian rhythm means. <laughs> yeah, but it's the it's the rhythm between when you're awake and asleep. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like when you're, uh, you know, you fly out to Hawaii, then everything's all messed up. Like jet lag? Yeah, kind of. Um, you know, your your rhythm between the day and the night. Leslie, please explain it better than yes, what I Yes, please, Leslie, save us. So the way that he explains um, our circadian rhythm, it's um, a 24-hour circadian rhythm that activates brain and body mechanisms designed to keep us awake during daylight hours and down-regulates these processes at nighttime. So our body is responding to um, daylight and also um, nighttime. So during the day, it upregulates these um, biological processes that keep us awake. And then as um, dawn approaches, then it downregulates these biological processes so that we fall asleep. Yeah, he also talks about um, it's somewhat natural to feel tired in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of naps. I sometimes take a afternoon snooze. <laughs> I know I, I know when I was at State Farm, you'd have to, you know, you, you can't just close your eyes and drift off. But. Well, he talks about that too, right? About naps. Yeah, he says it's biological. And a lot of um, ancient societies and a lot of hunter-gatherer, I mean, a lot of tribal societies, even now, they... Uh, partake in afternoon siestas. And then they were talking about like Greece. I'm not sure if it was Greece or another country that um, when when their society changed to more Western, no nap, instead of the siesta time, then everyone's health like deteriorated. <laughs> so it's um, apparently the naps are good for you. So who knows? I thought it was also interesting that everyone has a different circadian rhythm so there's people like there's the night owls that they're just more alert they're more like the outliers um, they're so they're more alert at night and then there are um, people who like to get up early like the morning they call the morning marks and then a, a good percentage of people like are somewhere in between so I thought that was interesting that he mentioned that are you a morning mark or are you a night owl? Well, you're I, I special like, because yeah, you're Yeah, I wouldn't know that I'm special, but uh, yeah. So when I first heard this podcast, I remember thinking, man, my, my sleep schedule is so messed up. I, I never, I don't remember the last time I got eight hours of sleep. And that just became norm, the norm for, for me because I, you know, had really messed up schedule. About six months ago, I was working nights. Uh, three nights a week, so that messed up everything. I couldn't get a good, consistent sleep habit. And I'm sure that's the biggest part, is going to sleep around the same time mm -hmm. and just being consistent with it and having that discipline. That doesn't make somebody lazy, though. Sometimes, like you said, there's there's different factors that, that go into it, whether it be work or kids or just distraction or you want to go out and stuff. Uh, it makes it pretty difficult, but... I remember listening to that podcast and thinking, man, I really need to get some, some good sleep. And for like the next two days, I got really solid sleep because mm -hmm. it was more just like, it almost scared me right. uh, because he talks about, you know, all the dangers that come with it and, and how you're a lot less effective when you get under six hours. Mm -hmm. And obviously for my job, I, I got to be 
alert. efficient and, yeah. and, and alert. Um, but I'm sure that if you did a study on uh, uh, night workers, people that mm-hmm. work in the afternoon, I, I can't imagine any of them really getting uh, a solid amount of sleep. And usually, like, sh- not usually, but some shift workers have a really important role, like police officers, nurses, doctors, and usually, a lot of times, they're the ones that are the most sleep deprived, and there's a whole set, this, it's not a, a really large section, but it's like a small section, he discusses emotional irrationality, and how sleep deprivation affects um your emotions and you're more likely to misinterpret a facial expression when you're sleep deprived and I thought about you and what you do so if you misinterpret someone's uh, facial expression or intentions that could have very serious consequences right um and you know, but then what do you, you know, what do you do about that? We have to have police officers. We have to have nurses working those night shifts because, that, you know, people, we, we need that as a society. Um, well, so it, it, I think we, yeah, we should have a, dis, a discussion about that. Like, how do we try to remedy these situations? Well, it's, I'd recommend people not work graveyard shifts. Obviously, we, there's a societal need for that. Because, for example, you know, I live in a condo complex and uh, the landscapers come, no matter what, at 8 a.m. And then, like an alarm, you can hear when when the uh, lawnmower and leaf blowers start. So, this is, society itself is designed for you to wake up early and go to bed at a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. So, there's, there's certain dangers of working graveyard shifts because you lose out on the, I mean, you can still get sleep, um, but it's like, you know, the, the lawnmower go, <laughs> goes and for like 15 minutes and it stops and then you can go back to sleep, but then it disrupts your deep sleep and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, there, there's, there's certain dangers to working graveyard. So hopefully people, um, factor in, that but you know if you get paid more then that's another factor so who knows frank have you noticed significant um health concerns like in regards to like what you do and how sleep deprived you are i've noticed um a considerable difference um i i feel like you're Sorry, I'm like thinking about like what I'm like the right words, but I just feel like it's I I'm concerned because I you're you're chronically sleep deprived, and I know that I mean there's I, there's really nothing that you can do, but it just it's really concerning, especially because your grandfather he had Alzheimer's, and so you're pre genetically disposed to you know. You have a higher likelihood of, of getting Alzheimer's. And when he was explained in the book is that when you're sleeping, your body, um, it, so there's a, an increase of a potentially harmful protein in your, in your brain that accumulates. But one of the, um, when you sleep, your brain, like it, it, your immune system, like gets rid of those harmful proteins and people who are sleep deprived they don't have an opportunity to get rid of these harmful proteins so they continue to aggregate in the brain and then that's what can contribute to alzheimer's so you're already (laughs) genetically predisposed and then the fact that you're chronically sleep deprived it just increases your likelihood of getting alzheimer's even more so like i just that like obviously concerns me and yeah that's actually what scared me too when i when i listened to that podcast he 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 touched on that Mm -hmm. And knowing my family's history, and then um, I personally haven't felt it. Like I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm not healthy. But mm-hmm. I think that's because I work out regularly. I eat pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I could definitely use more sleep. Mm-hmm. And as as far as work, yeah, you you have to. I think you're put in situations where you you have to um, react to certain things. We'll wait.
you're you're put in situations where you have to react, where you have to be awake. So it's not uncommon for me to be drinking coffee or mm-hmm. or some type of you know, Red Bull or Monster just to try to get that that extra kick. And I'm sure that in in the long run, that's I'm going to pay for that. What about your? Do you feel like it's aged you? That's what I wanted. That's oh what yeah. I, wanted. I feel like it has definitely aged you. Yeah, look at my face. <laughs> But it it just it, it really sorry like I'm I'm going off on this tangent but it just really sucks because you're sleep deprived right and then also you have the chronic stress of dealing with or you know doing what you do as a but, yeah yeah we did okay so you're a police officer so you're like always you always have this like high level of stress um and people I think when people are like oh I want to become like a police officer in law enforcement they don't think about these things. Well, it's like the last thing they think about yeah. is sleep, right? Well, and I can tell you right now that I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I really enjoy what I do, and if that's one of the negative factors that come with it, okay. Like, as far as schedule-wise, I prefer working nights. I prefer working uh, at those times when it's it's most active and the likelihood of, you know, there being something to do with calls for service or, you you know, stopping somebody... That's fun. That's that's what I got in police work for. So if that's a bad, like a side effect from it, then so be it. I look at it as like, that's fine. And, and what you'll hear a lot from people, well, I can sleep when I'm dead or I can sleep later when I retire. But I still feel like I'm able to function mm-hmm. off of five to six hours fine or good enough for, for my work. Um, there are days when I'm a lot more tired and you know, there's all kinds of factors. It's incredibly difficult to, to sleep during the day when you have the sun out or when you just off of work. And that's why I've, I had to do some drastic changes, changing one of our rooms into a sleep room mm-hmm. and making it to where no light uh, comes in at all. Having noise, like one of the, I bought one of those noisemakers that actually just makes like static noise in the background just to, to kind of muffle anything else. Uh, I've I've worn sleep masks. I've put, you know, um, things in my ears so I don't I don't hear anything. You name it, I've I, I've tried it, and then that's not even counting all the stuff that I've taken to to help me help me go to sleep. So I'm sure that all those things will will factor in later on. But again, I wouldn't I don't know I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. And I think that it does help that I have maintained you know for the most part pretty healthy. Uh, barring injuries, but, and I eat decent, so it's kind of like a give and take. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that if I didn't eat healthy and I didn't work out and I didn't sleep, I could only imagine where, where I'd be. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, thank you for the input, Frank. You're welcome. Oh, yeah, also, um, as I was, uh, speaking of coffee, I had, um, you know, I've caught up on my sleep after reading this book, um, and then I, uh, you know, for a long time I've been drinking coffee for maintenance, um, but then because I've caught up on my sleep, and then I had like a date or whatever, so there was a day where I drank a lot of coffee. And then, you had a coffee right in front of you. And then I had a coffee high for like the first time in a long time, <laughs> and then it felt really good, but um, anyways... Um, the... Do you remember the first time you you drank coffee? Well, my dad, um, we used to go on vacation and then he would, like, get some coffee from the restaurant. Were you pretty young? Yeah, I was, like, freaking, like, ten or eight. And then, um, but then he never put any sugar or anything in it. You know, it's just, like, straight black and then, you know, it tastes gross, but... I remember not drinking coffee until I was about 18 or 19. And I remember, I for some reason, I, I, I drank coffee. And uh, you're right, just like you're explaining, I felt like this this high. Like, man, this is good stuff. And the following day, I had to pick up a family friend from the airport. And while I was on my way there, like, I just had this craving of coffee. And this was probably like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And I got off the freeway, looked for the near 7-Eleven just to get coffee. And I think that's where it all kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> and I can't go without having caffeine now. You like need I have to have just to function. I do. It doesn't even give you 
um, like it, I feel like it, it doesn't even make you um, it's, anxious. Like not it's anxious. just maintenance for you, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just yes. to keep you yeah. stable. Yeah. yeah, I'm like that too. I mean, um, I, if if I don't drink coffee, I'll get the uh, coffee headaches. But I, I've kind of got over it a bit because I lowered my dosage a bit. Um, and then that that one day, because I lowered my dosage when I drank more, then I got the coffee pie and it felt really good. But anyways, that's not good for your for your overall sleep health. So, But what if you just do it just in the morning? Like, I only drink coffee when I wake up or when I have something to do. Um, like, I, I would love some iced coffee right now, but I know that, that would affect how I go to sleep later on. But it's what it's the yeah. number one thing that I look forward to when I wake up is having some coffee. Yeah, well, he has a section on sleep pressure and caffeine, and he explains uh, sleep pressure, which is um, it, there's a chemical called adenosine, and it builds up in your brain, and it continues to increase in concentration with every waking minute that elapses. And sorry, I'm just reading from the book because it's just it's the easiest. Um, for listeners to understand. The longer you are awake, the more adenosine will accumulate. So think of adenosine as a chemical barometer that continuously registers the amount of elapsed time since you woke up this morning. Um, One consequence of increasing adenosine in the brain is an increasing desire to sleep. This is known as sleep pressure, and it is a second force that will determine when you feel sleepy and thus thus, uh, should go to sleep. So, most people after uh, 12 to 16 hours of, of being awake is when they usually um, feel like they have to go to sleep. And then he discusses the impact of caffeine. So, you can, however, artificially mute the sleep signal of adenosine by using a chemical that makes you feel more alert and awake, which is caffeine. Caffeine is, is the most widely used and abused psychoactive stimulant in the world. I think a, pe- a lot of people, um, I don't know, do you think most people know that it's a psychoactive drug? Or we choose to ignore that fact? Yeah, I don't think anybody looks at caffeine like that. But it is. It, 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 it is, but I think it's just so mild. What do you mean it's so mild? Like, I mean, you can't even function without it, so... Yeah, but the worst thing that would happen to me is I would have a headache, mm-hmm. right? And, and even when somebody drinks caffeine that is addicted to caffeine, for the most part, they're... I mean, I don't. I think the changes would be so minute that you wouldn't even notice. Like, we're talking about, you know, if I had ca- caffeine, it's not like I'd be jumping off the wall or I'd be talking any faster than, than what I am. Mm-hmm. Like we said, it's just... I think it's just like a maintenance thing. It's just something that they, that you do. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes if I don't drink caffeine or drink coffee or whatever, then I have an inevitable coffee headache that comes. And then sometimes if I'm loaded with a lot of coffee, and the withdrawals can be a bit more difficult. But um, you know, it's um, it's it's best. It's more healthy, obviously, because to to get a good night's sleep because. Um, you're just messing up your immune system if you um, if you don't get a good night's sleep and you rely on caffeine too much. Also, he goes into this long thing regarding um, uh, being on the road. A lot of accidents um, are a result of because your re- reaction time is also affected when you're um, when you're tired and you don't have enough sleep. Um, I. I can say that maybe I've had an accident that my lack of sleep contributed to that. Like when I stupid. Off the record, though, right? Um, <laughs> the, the claim is settled. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's. Um, I went to Bakersfield early in the morning to run a 10k, which was really stupid. But um, because I I forgot how freaking far Bakersfield was. It's like way further than San Diego, uh, distance wise. And then um, I mean it really is like halfway to San Francisco, but. Anyways, um, then I was coming back on a 210, then I wasn't, uh, um, I had, the, you know, I, I didn't pay attention for half a second, and then I rear-ended a guy, so, um, I don't know, I may edit this portion out, but, um. For legal purposes? It's, it's, uh, lack of sleep, it does affect you, 
um, reaction time and judgment. It's just like drinking. And there's, um, I'm, I'm talking about like extreme lack of sleep, like you haven't, you've slept for three hours for five days straight, then, or even for like three days straight, then the buildup, it really can affect you. Also, um, another thing is the testosterone. He was t talking about like virility and <laughs> all these fun topics, all these masculine topics that um, a lack of sleep can have an effect on uh, on those uh, juicy types of subjects. I wonder what the effects are of the increase in adenosine buildup in the brain. So he talks about like how caffeine competes with adenosine to attach to the... So there's adenosine receptors in the brain and caffeine attaches to these adenosine receptors which um, inhibits the effects of adenosine which, which is sleep pressure. But those adenosine molecules don't go away. They continue to build up in the brain. And so once your liver metabolizes caffeine and um, gets rid of it, you feel the effects of adenosine and you feel that caffeine crash and you're incredibly tired once caffeine is completely eliminated from your body. But I wonder what the effects are of all the adenosine that accumulates because what you tend to do is, okay, you finally go to sleep, but then the next day you still are using caffeine um, to help you function. But there's still the buildup of adenosine, which he doesn't really explain because maybe we just don't know. Um, it's not something that we can... Uh, I don't know, maybe measure or figure out, but I'm just curious if you constantly have a high level of adenosine in the brain because of caffeine, I wonder what the long-term effects are of that. I wonder. I just, like, sorry, I'm just, like, thinking out loud. I wonder. Um, yeah, I mean... Because it says here, like, for the entire time that caffeine is in your system, the sleepiness chemical blocks adenosine nevertheless continues to build up. Your brain is not aware of this rising tide of sleep encouraging adenosine because the wall of caffeine you've created is holding it back from your perception. Anyways, but he goes on to explain that. So I, I just I think that's interesting. Yeah, so, um... Debate me on that, Frank. Nope. <laughs> so uh, sleep more, people. Um, it really helps. Uh, I mean, you know, anecdotally... anecdotally um, I can obviously feel when, if you have like several days of lack of sleep, then you can feel that your immune system kind of takes a beating. So, um, you know, if you extrapolate that out over several years, then there could be a lot of effects on your health. And he was saying that um, there may be some uh, cancer risk towards uh, not having adequate sleep so sleep more um you know on a personal level you know if, if nothing's going on at on uh, on the dance floor then <laughs> it's it's better to head home than to try to squeeze out a last half hour trying to hope for a miracle there and um you know start to start the day over tomorrow with a with a healthy mind and a healthy body and then maybe you'll have better luck. So who knows? Yeah. True. I uh, thought it was also interesting explaining, like, um, he explained the difference between adenosine and melatonin. Do you remember? Because a lot of people take melatonin pills, uh, thinking that work. it's going to provide you restful sleep. But he was saying, uh, I, I, do you remember what he said in the podcast about melatonin? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he said that it was it doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. But I think that even if physically it doesn't do anything, most people that, that most people that take melatonin are at least trying to make some type of effort to relax them, or even if it's a mental thing, like I gotta go to sleep, I gotta mm -hmm. kind of prep myself. Just like the placebo effect. Yeah, exactly. But with with any pill that that you take to go to sleep, you have to give yourself, you know, something like seven to eight hours worth of sleep in order mm -hmm. for you to feel good. Because I've taken sleeping pills because I need to sleep and I, I couldn't for whatever reason, so I needed to force myself to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. 
and I've got maybe five hours of sleep, and I, I wake up and I just feel I feel terrible. I feel groggy, like even worse, as opposed to if I've only gotten like four or five hours of sleep. It just completely feels like I'm half asleep still. Yeah. So that there's there's a there's a big danger uh, to that, but you know. I've taken melatonin, and if anything, it just kind of relaxes me. And if it's a placebo effect, that's fine. I'll take that because it it does feel better taking that as opposed to like NyQuil PM or any of those uh, sleep aids. Even when I get you know get seven hours of sleep, it just doesn't it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel natural. Yeah, and he explains the distinction. So melatonin helps regulate the timing of when sleep occurs by systemically signaling darkness throughout the organism, but melatonin has little influence on the generation of sleep itself, which is a mistaken assumption that many people hold. And he elaborates and gives this, uh, he gives this analogy that kind of helps clarify um, the role of melatonin. Okay, um, in conclusion, out of uh, five, what would you give this book? I would give it a five. I thought it was very informative um, and helped clarify a lot of different myths surrounding sleep. I definitely agree that it should be a pillar of overall health along with uh, exercise and nutrition. So I would definitely give it a five. Yeah, I'd I'd recommend the book too. It's um, it's not it's not something that we focus on sleeping, especially reading a freaking like three hundred, three hundred thirty page book about sleeping. I mean, who the f does that, right? But um, it's it's something that we spend a big portion of our lives doing, mm-hmm. and I mean we've we've read tons of books about exercise and and work and career stuff and uh, all kinds of stuff but then sleep is something that we spend so much time doing and then a lot of times you don't have ideas on so it's it's a good book to um, just for general knowledge mm-hmm. and it's you can make some helpful healthful choices regarding that obviously um, in life um, there are times yeah, especially raising children or other things that uh, get in the way of sleep. But it's uh, similar to eating food, junk food. Sometimes you just have to eat that um, cafeteria food. But it's something to have, be mindful of that, um, you know, it is okay to allow yourself to get a good night of sleep instead of constantly pushing yourself. Um, so I, I'd give it a 5 out of 5 because I think a lot of people need to listen to that. Uh, listen to the podcast as well as read the book. So um, please read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Um, a quick tangent regarding the um, you know, the the whole machismo thing about not, not sleeping. I, I remember at State Farm there was this... Uh, um, I was under... Gene Lee at the time, we had this uh, new guy come in, and then like on the, uh, like they had this uh, printed out banner like businesses do, like, uh, welcome, blah, 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 <laughs> to, to State Farm or whatever, in his cubicle office, and then, uh, in his cubicle, and then um, like there was two days where he like nodded off during the afternoon. And then, you know, the next thing we know, that banner, it got folded back up <laughs> and oh then put God. on his desk. And then and then um, he was no longer seen anymore. So who knows what happened to him. But um, that, again, is, I mean, it's kind of weird because you could be, like, online looking at BS and wasting time. And then that's not as vilified as if you're nodding off at work. So... It's, there's a whole machismo thing regarding you're, you're seen as more more corporate-minded if you don't sleep, and I think society needs to change the views of that. Yeah, and there's some notable corporations that are changing. For example, uh, he discusses Google. Uh, they allow their workers to, you know, 
they kind of make their own schedules according to their circadian rhythm. And they also have these rooms with sleeping pods in them, so people can actually go in there and sleep when they're when they want to. So I think that's already that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm a big fan of taking the cat nap. So um, especially the afternoon, if you can just you know sleep for 15 minutes, take a quick freaking nap, and then you'll be refreshed the rest of the day. But, that's um, I think, and that's a lot more productive than taking a 20 minute social media break. <laughs> might as well take a nap and you'll feel real more refreshed than to spend because how many times do we not like go on social media for at least 20 minutes because we're tired and we just want some mind-numbing activity to do well that goes into all the distractions mm-hmm. i think that's a big reason why people don't get enough sleep is there's a lot better things to do than sleep i wouldn't i okay i don't agree well with that. I, it's <laughs> I get it. Not- I think it's also because of the fact that we've been, as a society, conditioned to think that sleep is people who sleep or take naps are lazy, so we'd rather be on our phones pretending to be doing something productive than to take a nap, which is actually even more productive. True. Um, there, was a, there was a quick time um, in 2011 when Inception, the movie, the greatest movie ever, um, it came out, and uh, sleeping, dreaming... REM sleep, all that stuff was like really cool, but Which then... Which also discussed in the book, we didn't even touch on that. There's so many sections, but anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the so that was a time when the public embraced like dreaming and all that stuff, but um, since then, there hasn't been any cool movies regarding sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know what, we didn't even talk about alcohol, and how alcohol, a lot of people helps think that it helps you sleep, but... Nice. It doesn't. It acts as a sedative, and it doesn't give you uh, restful sleep. So, a lot. I, I didn't know that before reading this book that it's a sedative. Yeah, I've um, from a personal experience, um, I've always felt that when I drink, I can't sleep or I sleep very lightly. And you wake up frequently in the night when you when you drink. Yeah. So. But in the book, he recommends having a glass of wine. No, before he doesn't. He does not. Yes. You're lying. <laughs> it's it's weird because I can actually, I can actually like drink a cup of coffee and I can sleep better than if I, you know, if I have two mojitos. Um, so it's weird for me personally. I've always felt that uh, when I drink, um, it wasn't very restful sleep. So, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of the book. Okay, um, any final thoughts regarding life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness? Frank, do you have any final thoughts? Are you going to sleep more? I'm going to try. It's always on my mind. But I think that I, I well, first of all, I think too much. I have too many tasks that I, that I put on my phone or things that I need to do. Uh-huh. And for some reason, when I'm lying in bed, I think about what do I got to get done the following day. Can I and offer you a recommendation? A glass of wine before I go to sleep? No, keep oh. a notepad next to your bed. And then when you have a thought, you know, for example, if you're like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, you write it down on a piece of paper, and that usually helps alleviate that anxiety talk louder please that would yeah that would help out but then you gotta turn on the light to write down yeah but if it's the natural light if you have a lampshade on then mm-hmm. it's better okay I'll try that out yeah. anyways um, also I have my uh, iPhone 7 back so I have my uh, this is more con- I think uh, <laughs> um so I, I have the full full spectrum of uh, social media to my disposal disposal yet again, and um, because the there was three weeks where my iPhone was in the shop and then I had a lot of good nights of sleep because I didn't have this distraction and I didn't have to look at freaking uh, Facebook and get into heated arguments in the middle of the freaking night. Um, but now it's uh, back on. And 
I just need to close my eyes and focus on the breathing and things will work out. Um, I agree. Other than that, uh, that's it. Have a good one. Adios.